This week, we talk about startup community fatigue, positioning a product that solves multiple problems within a single app, a simple financial trick for knowing when you can afford to hire new employees, and more. Let's go. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler, and I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. And I'm Rick. I run a software-enabled services company called Leg Up Health. This is an ongoing look into our journeys as founders. If you're a new listener and you want to catch up, check out the About page at startuptolast.com. All right. What's up this week, Rick? Not much. How are you? I'm doing good. Yeah. Pretty like standard week for me, just doing work. And I, I, I've got a million things to talk about, but like it just feels like the most average week. <laughs> That's a good thing, I think. It's good from time to time, I think. I, variety is important. I feel like I'm having a crazy, crazy week. So Yeah, well, let's I, hear about I, it. I would, <laughs> well, it's just open enrollment, which is the time period that the government sets in the U.S. for people to buy whatever health insurance plan they want on the individual market um, starts on Sunday. So November 1st. And I am not, I am not as prepared as I would want to be from a content standpoint Mm. Um, and a communication standpoint. And so, and I have really high content standards. So I'm sort of balancing really good writing with just getting something done that helps people because I'm having this yeah. kind of done is better than perfect moment. Right. And and if I can pile on top of what you already know, I mean, you're going to be overwhelmed even without content bringing in a lot of leads this year it seems like maybe next year you'll have your shit figured out a little bit better you may have some employees do you really need great content for this round it's more it's uh, content's not necessarily what i'm talking about it's more just communications so mm. i i don't most of my users and clients don't want me to call them so i have to write them all something and i need to write them all something by sunday Mm-hmm. And by to send them something useful, it's sort of like this, uh, I don't know what the right analogy is, but it's, it's classic scope creep because to say, to say something useful, you have to use words that require you to define them, which it just sort of expands exponentially uh, until you have all the bases covered. So I'm going through a, a massive research project right now to make sure I get everything in one place. And then I'm going to have to go through a cutting exercise of what do they absolutely need to know today versus next week. Um, and gets, I, but I need to get something out before open enrollment starts and I need to get something out once open enrollment starts. And then I need to have some sort of regular cadence for providing useful value in terms of communication throughout. So I'm working on that right now. And it's not as simple as just saying, Hey, open enrollment starts on November 1st. Right. Can I ask, is there a reason open enrollment needs to exist? Like, why can't people just buy insurance whenever they want? You probably know the answer to that, don't you? I actually don't, know. Really? Okay. So, well, in order to answer that question, you, you really have to understand how health insurance works in the U.S. now, um, pr- uh, especially how it changed, um, starting uh, with what people call Obamacare here, or it's actually called the Affordable Care Act. So, pr- prior to 2014, which is when the major. um, So the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare was passed in 2010, but it didn't really take major effect. Most of the stuff in the law didn't take effect until four years later, January 1st, 2014. So, and, and, and what 
what people don't realize about the Affordable Care Act is that it's mostly individual health insurance market reform. So when you look at how people get health insurance from in the U.S., there's sort of two ways people get it. Uh, one, they get it through their employer, or two, they manage to get it on their own. And uh, the rest are in this kind of weird category of, I call it self-insurance, but the political word is uninsured. Um, they they don't have a third-party insurance policy. Um, the So kind of flying up again, um, if you look at the employer market, it's pretty simple. That's been the, since World War II. That's how people got health insurance. Um, and when you join a job, that's usually what qualifies you for being eligible for the health insurance plan and you enroll in it. And then when you leave the job, you typically get on COBRA and and when you get a new job, you get new coverage. So um, what started happening in the early 2000s is this new kind of health insurance started emerging with technology um, called individual health insurance, which is health insurance that you get when you buy directly from the gov- from the uh, health insurance company without an employer. Um, pro- you know, and, and the way it was built was, and the way it was regulated was it allowed health insurance companies to medically underwrite and um, applicants. So if you, when you went to an employer, your health insurance, um, you know, in 2013, your health insurance was guaranteed issue. You, by working for the employer, you automatically qualified it. You don't have to answer any questions about your personal health or preexisting conditions. But on the individual market, if you didn't have access to a group plan through your employer, you had to actually, you know, prove that you were insurable to these insurance companies. And if you, you know, weren't, they would do one of two things. They would deny you. 100, you know, like they would just say, no, we're not going to insure you, which is not good. Um, or they would say, we'll insure you, but with the caveat that we won't cover anything related to your cancer uh, that you have or your other pre-existing condition. So major, you know, at, as individual market and t- started kind of emerging in 2000, primarily around the internet, because people started searching online and you know, wanting to buy their own health insurance. Um, and uh, the market grew to a substantial number of people. And when that started happening, the government was like, hmm, there's some holes in this market. And Obamacare ran on, you know, fixing some of the loopholes with the individual market, which led to him passing Obamacare or Congress passing Obamacare during his administration. What that did was it solved a major issue. It I said, opened up a whole can of worms here, right? Yeah. Is this, <laughs> does anyone want to listen to this? Probably. I think it's interesting. Um, okay. So in, in 2014, what took effect was this rule that came out and said, Hey, if you want to offer individual health insurance as an insurance company, you can no longer do two things. You can no longer base someone's rate on their health. And two, you can no longer uh, uh, deny someone or even change the way you cover them based on their medical condi- pre-existing medical conditions. So from a health perspective, everyone's treated equally now. Um, on the individual market. In order to avoid what's called adverse selection and you know uh, in insurance which means people who when you can let when you let someone buy health insurance whatever they want to and there are no consequences um, for not buying health insurance um, you end up with this thing called adverse selection which means you people wait until they need health insurance to buy it which means that the health insurance costs drive straight through the roof because because the health insurance companies only have sick people buying health insurance. So in order to incentivize pe- healthy people to buy health insurance, um, the federal government said, you can only buy this thing in certain areas. And one time of the year is designated for 
people to buy health insurance. If you don't buy during that open enrollment period, you can't buy health insurance um, when you when you need it. So it's a it's an incentive ag- against adverse selection. Does it make sense? Got it. I mean, yeah. that sounds stupid, and like there are much better ways to avoid it. But I okay. <laughs> yeah. So the so sure. the you know the other thing that they had the the, the open enrollment period isn't the only thing they passed an individual mandate that said if you don't buy health insurance, yeah, um, you'll you'll pay a penalty. That penalty was really small. And it's actually been, it's basically been taken to zero. It's been rolled by, back, right? It's been rolled yeah. back, yep. So there's other, there are other things that they did, um, but nothing is as effective as medical underwriting. You can't, like, with medical underwriting pre-2014, pre-Obamacare, yeah, like if you were too sick to be covered and you didn't have continuous coverage, meaning you had chosen not to buy health insurance for a period of 60 days or more, you got denied coverage. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's, the, you know, the fear of net being denied coverage is a great incentive not to wait until you need it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, where were we? You. Okay. So you're getting ready for open enrollment. By the way, I've got, uh, I, I've done a lot of support the last couple of weeks or the last week and lots of insurance agents coming to us and being like, I'm panicking, open enrollment starting. I have to get a CRM set up or I'm going to get like drowned in all the contacts. So it's funny being like, I know a thing or two about that. <laughs> yep. So anyway, um, uh, prepping and, and working through it. I, I, we did one, one thing I do want to share that we did was we launched a, uh, um, what do you call it? A, uh, a, a guide section of the website, a resource section of the website. So mm-hmm. if you go to leguphealth.com and go to the footer and click on resources, you can, you can now access a state guide for Utah and view every single insurance company, a write up on every insurance company in Utah that offers individual health insurance and then every plan available on the individual market in 2021 from those insurance companies. It's not complete yet, but it's good enough, I, th- I would say, to release and we'll be adding more content to those pages over time. But uh, it feels pretty good to be the only place that you can browse um, all the plans on Utah without having to put in any information. Are you selling that you don't have to put in information really hard? Because something I've found, even knowing what I know and being burned so many times, I go to, not just for insurance, but for any number of things, you go to a website where they're like, search for whatever, and you do it, and then you get to the end and they're like, give us your email or we won't show you the results. Are you like calling out that you don't do that? Because I imagine there are a lot of websites that pretend to do what you're doing and then it's a bait and switch. I don't feel comfortable promoting the guides yet. So the answer is no, Um, they're not done yet, but they are something that we will use if someone to, to help to, to say, Hey, if you want to see all the plans available here, you can, here you go. But I wouldn't say it's something we can sell yet, but absolutely. I do think we should lean on. We're not annoying. Yeah. We're not going to, that's bait and switch is not in our games. Go look at all the plans. And when you're ready, you know, we'll take your information to give you a precise quote. I think that's huge. Cause you'd shown me your like kind of a a preview of it. And like, I like it, but I'm also kind of like, don't a lot of other places have this information. And what you just said is the first time it really clicked for me, where I was like, oh, they're all using it as a lead magnet. And it's actually, they're, you know, I'm going to get to the end and they're not going to give me the info without my email. Yep. And the, well, or, you know, if you go, for example, to most of the insurance websites, they may take it, they may show you plans, even healthcare.gov may show you plans, but they're going to ask you for your zip code, your income information, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your family members, birth dates, all the, <laughs> you have to fill out a lot of stuff. You can't just browse with point and click. Um, so leg up health really is the only place where 
you could go and see every plan available in sort of a list format and then click around without having to put in any of that information. Now, if you want to get a specific quote or cost, you do have to click get a quote and start entering that information, but you still don't have to put in an email. Yeah. Cool. I I think that's if I were you, I when you do start promoting it, I would lean really really heavily on that and I I mean, everyone in business wants to be all professional and not talk shit about the competitors and obviously with the name like less annoying CRM, I'm just like, no, talk shit about them. Like they're annoying. <laughs> I went overboard with talking crap about competitors and uh, at people keep. So I'm trying to strike a better balance between, you know, just complete hatred. Um, uh, and I think I used the word evil to describe competitors at my previous company. Yeah. That's um, a little strong, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So, so, uh, but, but, you know, between just, you know, not saying anything, but hopefully by just pointing to like, here are the ways that we're different, um, not better, but different. will pe- help, help people understand, why they should you know work with us versus a competitor? What, yeah. What's that's enough about my health insurance woes. What about you? <laughs> um, so yeah, I mentioned I was uh, I've I've done a lot of support. So I was on weekend support last weekend, and then yesterday we did the uh, CRM coach day of rest, which is a thing we do every six months, where customer service team takes a day off, and all the developers and other people cover support for the day. It is hard. It's it's a long day of. Just like when you realize that the the customer service people just do it all day, every day, it uh, really gives you an appreciation for for that job. <laughs> That's great. Um, what did you have any big takeaways? I mean, it's always great talking to customers, and I, all of my takeaways are like small things. Just like you get such a small slice of it. Yeah, I don't. You don't want to jump to conclusions from talking to. You know, I was on phone support for two hours yesterday. I talked to let's say ten people. I got feedback, but I don't want to overreact just because those are the 10 people I talk to. But it just gives you like empathy for people. Like if you go too long without talking to customers, you know, other people on the team are saying, well, people need this and people need that. And it's just so different when a small business owner calls in and they say, I love your product. I can't believe I'm talking to the CEO on the phone, but here's a problem I'm facing. And you hear that. I love your product, but... Yeah, I love your product, but, and you just can't help but be like, I have to fix this for you, you know? And mm-hmm. obviously we can't fix everything, but it, it just, it's motivation and empathy and it's a really good exercise to go through occasionally. Cool. That's very cool. Um, yeah. And then something else on my list here, uh, I th- I've had a little bit of a, this is going to sound boring, but a little bit of a breakthrough on how I'm thinking about when we can hire people. Um, in the past... It was always based on cash flow. It was like a new employee would cost $7,500 a month fully loaded or whatever the number is. Are we profiting $7,500 a month? If so, we can afford to hire someone. Um, this is a problem for a couple of reasons. Like one, it doesn't balance what, like, well, what about other things we might want to do with the money, right? There's no framework for how much of it should be profit that like I keep, how much of it should go to raising salaries for other employees, the bigger problem, though, is it doesn't take into account long-term effects like raises and stuff like that. So I was always just nervous. Am I going to like hire too many people? And then as they get raises and become more senior, we're going to like the business model is going to break. You know what I mean? This has always been like a low-level stress in the back of my mind. So I'm probably just like going through finance 101, and this is all stuff that you're supposed to know. But I've started uh, tracking kind of a new one of my top, let's say top five metrics that I look at is revenue per employee. And this just solves my problem entirely. Um, 
it's not about doing, I mean, also, of course, you have to have enough cash flow to pay them. But assuming you do, we need right now $160,000 per employee. That doesn't just cover paying them right now. That covers like being able to cover their raises and long-term effects. And it's just like dramatically simplified how I think about stuff. It's like, we're not at 160 right now because we hired someone in uh, August or whatever. We can't hire anyone until we're at 160. And then once we are, we can hire someone and not worry about it. And why 160? How do you get into that number? Yeah, so it's still somewhat arbitrary, I'll admit. And yeah. I, I think our goal is to get to in the 200 to 250 range. So the, the, the approach we're going to take is each hire, we, we're going to increase our bar just a little bit. And that means some of the profit's going to become extra margin and some of it's going to go towards growing the team. The 160 number is basically based on if employees get $10,000 raises every year, which is how we do things, it really makes it simple. Our revenue per employee at most has to go up by $10,000 a year just to keep up with that, right? So we were just looking at that's kind of like what we need to do for the business to sustain. Um, 160 is a number where we're profitable, but also, you know, just balancing everything. But next year, it'll be 170. And the year after that, it'll be 180. Okay, I got it. So it sounds like the the metric's really easy to look at, but there's also you're still doing the same you're still doing the same work to project the the that number on what it should be and also set rules around how you use it. So Yeah. Yeah, there's still something arbitrary. Like at the end of the day, no matter how you think about this, there's going to be an arbitrary thing which is like how much do we want to invest in hiring versus how much do we want to invest in other things. But this to me gives me a lot more insight into like I can make an educated decision about what that number should be. Whereas before it was just like, I don't know, we can afford them. So I guess let's do it, you know? Yeah. Well, you simplify the conversation in two ways. First, what you can ask that question and get an answer pretty quickly. What is our current revenue per employee? You could do that on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a rolling, you know, a rolling basis. You could do it in a forecasted on a forecasted basis for the rest of Mm -hmm. the year. Um, And then there's separately like sort of like what, what, um, what it, what RPM, what RPE revenue per employee do we need to hit uh, before we hire the next employee? And if you create rules around, you know, what what that will be for the next, I don't know, twenty employees, you don't have to really think about this for a while. Yeah, exactly. And th- this is like a trap I fell into. Just if if anyone's kind of on the early stages of hiring and hasn't done this before, a trap I fell into is normally early startup employees are pretty cheap maybe because you're paying them partially with stock options, maybe because like in our case, we were hiring entry-level people, but they will get more expensive. You're going to have to start paying market rates. People will get more senior. And it, I, I just never had a model for thinking like, it's not enough that I can pay them now. Does this like, is this a viable business in the future? And I'm not, I actually think 160,000 isn't enough. Like, like I said, we want to get up to 200, 250 for it to really be sustainable long-term. But even in the very, very early days, I think this would have been a good way to look at it as like, we can probably get away with 100 with our first couple hires, but we need to start ma- getting that up before the employees get more expensive, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah. I've got one more thing here. Uh, we talked a few episodes ago about um, Trends.VC, and you said you're a pro member or whatever. Um have you seen, it's still like in beta, but there's kind of like a community that uh, Drew is starting for that? Nope. I I gave a 
recommendation for a future topic. And he was like, why don't you know, why don't you come in the community? It's it's on Circle. Have you, have, are you in any communities using, I think, Circle.so or something like that? Yes, but I don't really care to join them. Why not? I don't know. It's sort of like, uh, I mean, but my, what I understand with Circle is that it's basically Slack, but more public. I would say it's Facebook, but private. Pr- Facebook, but private. Okay, sure, sure. Um, so, yeah, I guess, uh, I don't know. I like the reason I'm a little communityed out, just to be honest. Uh, so I... I, you know, what I really like about Drew's letter is that it comes to my inbox and if I have a, you know, if I have comments on it, I sort of just reply to him, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, and say, here are my thoughts. And if he's interested in replying, he can, if he's not, you know, he didn't have to. Um, plus I can just forward things, uh, you know, that from there. And, and I don't know, I, I guess I don't really, he does such a thorough discussion of the topic. I don't know what I would want to discuss with someone else about it. I a hundred percent. Well, I don't know if I agree about that comment. I a hundred percent agree that I'm communityed out. And so that's kind of, I was saying this partially to say I'm in this thing, but also to be like, I've got, yeah, I, I made the list here. So Ernest Capital has a Slack group and a base camp group to talk about, uh, startup stuff. I'm in a funder, a founder summit Slack group and a mastermind through them, the microconf Slack group, which I've left because I didn't particularly like it, but like that's another one I'm technically in. Now this trends.vc thing, there's Indie Hackers, the website, and they're all on their own great. But I, th- I feel like, you know, I follow people on Twitter who are talking about like, you need a community. That's the next thing. And I'm just like, the world does not need this many communities. And I actually think they're cannibalizing each other to the point where I don't check any of them now. Yep. So I think what I want is a much smaller group. I want like, 20 people like you and, you know, 19 other people I know and trust. I don't want thousands of people. And the problem is that's not a good business model. Like all of these people are incentivized. They want to be the canonical community. And A, there can only be one of those. But B, like, I don't even want that. I don't want a a community of 10,000 people. I'm with you. I I think if you're building a community uh, for profit you typically either need to have a very small curated group like uh y- y- young uh presidents organization ypo where you're basically charging a significant amount of money f- to curate a group of 20 to f- you know 15 anywhere from 10 to 20 people um and it's but it's 20 you know it, it equates to hundreds of thousands of dollars of year in revenue uh for mm. the, per group and you do those groups over and over and over again um and then yeah there's some ties up to the larger ladder, but that would be more like what you want. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you go, if you go for the mass thing, it's usually free, free or very low cost and it dilutes over time. Um, because you can't like, it's, it's helpful to go ask a question, but at the same time, like now it's getting to the point was I have a question, which community do I ask it in? It should ask it in all of them. And then I'm like the annoying guy who asked the same question in 10 communities, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, so now I don't even want to use them because I feel weird about it. And I don't know. Uh, we did this with Panda Labs a little bit. We charged uh, a pretty significant fee for joining and targeted about 150 person cap um, on the group. But generally you kind of find these subgroups of the 15 to 20 people you want to talk to. I don't, I don't know what the number is, but those are the people you really want to spend time with. And if someone would basically force me, like me and them to hang out with each other, 
once at some repeated interval so that we could develop the relationships, I would be pretty, I would pay for that. Yeah. Although the thing is, I don't, I don't know that it needs to be a business. Like a a 10,000 person community probably does need to be one, but um, I'm not personally a part of any of these, but like other podcasts I listen to and stuff, they do, for example, Big Snow Tiny Conf is, as far as I can tell, just 10 people who are kind of like business buddies with each other that go skiing once a year. And it's like, you don't need to pay someone else for that. Just, you know, send them a email and be like, do you want to go skiing? <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess um, there has to be a good reason for everyone to participate. And, yeah. you know, that may not, you know, that may, how you accomplish that, I think, is what matters. And you probably would need to have some structure of some kind to the group at that number, um, especially to ma- like someone's got to manage, okay, this guy's not, you know, this mm-hmm. person is not participating anymore. Um, we need a replacement, like the rules around yeah. engagement. You need leadership of yeah, some leadership. sort. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Okay, cool. So um, what, what, I guess, um, is that just an observation or? Yeah. Or- kind of an update that I'm trying to participate in this while at the same time, like throwing in the towel and being like, I'm, I'm just burnt out on communities. Yeah. Mostly just an observation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are, I do, I do not have a group right now. I always, one thing that kickstart seed fund, our investor at people keep provided was a community of, of other CEOs around the same size. And we would meet regularly and that was really useful because mm-hmm. I developed relationships with those people and then we had recurring talks and they were in a similar situation. I guess what I would say is that if you're interested in building a group of 20 people and I'm one of the people that you want to be in, I would be interested in figuring out a way to make that happen, especially if it was something around the start to last concept. Yeah. Um, you know, because I, I lack people. One of the things I really look forward to in this podcast is talking about the start to last mindset, but there are very few people outside of you that I can talk to about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, have someone not look at me like I'm crazy. I had a, I had this, the guy, I had people come out last week, right. To visit and they're, you know, trying to, you know, they're th- talking about exiting in a couple, you know, mm-hmm. in the next year or two. And they're, I'm telling them what I'm doing. They're like, they literally looked like I was looked at me like I was a, an alien. <laughs> yeah. I had this on one of my customer calls this week where he was like, well, how do I know you're not going to go out of business? And I was like, well, I'm 35 and you know, you never know, but my hope is to do this till I retire. And he was just like, you like, you have no idea what you're going to be doing in 30 years. And I was like, yeah, okay, sure. But he was, he was like, 35 year olds can't commit to anything like that. <laughs> yeah, he was like an older guy and he was just like, you're full of shit. <laughs> like in a nice way, he was joking with me, but he was like, absolutely not. Are you gonna, you're not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, anyway. totally. So that leads very nicely to my uh, shout out. I wanted to do, I don't know. Do you know the company Wildbit? I have no idea who Wildbit is. They run uh, a couple, I think Postmark is one of their businesses, um, but Natalie Nagel is the one of their founders who I follow, which is primarily what I know about them, but they are a bootstrapped kind of uh, SaaS company that just hit their 20-year anniversary, which wow. is just so fucking cool. Like, there are, it's basically Basecamp and them. I think those are the only two companies, like, older than Less Annoying CRM, really, that I can name that haven't 
kind of gone down, you know, either raising money or exiting or something like that, that are just, they're just running their business, uh, running a calm, profitable bootstrap business. I mean, I look at this site at wildbit.com and I see what I want like adventures to turn into, Mm -hmm. uh, in 10 years. And man, it's really, it, it, it's so easy to like if I just found Wildbit without you telling me they're twenty years old, I would have thought that maybe they started in the last five years. But yeah, it takes time, so much time to build something like this. Yeah. So Very anyway, cool. they are out there, and I, I hope one day, like people will say that about you and me. They'll be like, "Can you believe Leg Up Health is like twenty years old now?" <laughs> well, that's what's kind of cool. I'm looking at Postmark. Most of their current current portfolios, Postmark. Beanstalk, DMARC Digest. Beanstalk wasn't established until 2007, seven years after Wildbit started. Postmark mm-hmm. wasn't established until 2019. So it's almost like they spent the first five years doing some sort of consulting or, or working on iterative products that didn't stick around. Um, and then they hit, the, you know, seven years, you know, later they had their first win, you know, first beginning, their beginning of first, their first win and then Postmark two years later. So, I mean, it takes time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, I thought that was cool. Uh, you got a couple shout outs or rants here. What you got? Hmm. Well, I just, I, I don't know if this is a Utah company or not, but one, I, I think a, a Utah, they have Utah investors. It's called Grain Deck Co. And it looks like I, I mostly um, wanted to talk to you about it. And I thought, why not just do it now? But this mm-hmm. would be kind of a cool add-on to Zoom that actually... Uh, does live notes for it does live transcriptions for us. Have you been using it or you just kind of looked at it and I've, I've looked at it and I realized like from a podcasting standpoint, what a great idea because they basically do two things. They record your zoom meeting, they transcribe the, the, the zoom meeting, and then they let you basically cut the video um, into segments. So if you were promoting a podcast, for example, we're nowhere near doing something like this. I just want to be very yeah, clear, yeah. <laughs> but, 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 you know, you can imagine if we want, if we had like one minute segments from start to last for promotion purposes, this would be an easy way to do that. I, I imagine that podcasts are not their primary market. It's called grain, grain.co. And, but it's, it looks like something I might be able to use. For example, if I do webinars or something like that, um, for, you know, like a health clients where I could do one long webinar, but end up with all kinds of short videos. Yeah. I looked at their website a bit. It seems like the main use cases they're building for are more like internal things. Like if you're talking to a customer and you want to share that with someone else at your company or something like that, I, I don't see why you couldn't use it for marketing, but, um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I hate zoom so much that like I wouldn't, I wouldn't use this like with less annoying CRM because we don't use Zoom, but uh, it does seem cool. I still, I don't think the technology for automated uh, automated transcriptions are really there though. Yeah, well, it's I, not. Maybe it is. Like maybe they, they'll prove me wrong, but we tried this with the podcast, right? We used a bunch of different transcription services. Even with a human doing it, it was a dollar per minute. It was pretty expensive. It still it was sucked. Terrible. Yeah, it was, it was terrible. really low quality. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. but um, cool. All right. And then, uh, the other thing I'm dealing with, I, I don't, I'm trying not to rant too much, but I'm getting to the point of where I want to like make this a real issue with Instagram. I signed up for Instagram for leg up health in July. Um, I just set, did it to reserve the name. I never logged in, never posted anything. I, I logged in uh, recently to get everything set up and 
it said my account had been disabled for violating terms. So I am, I, for the last month, I've been in this circle of death where I can't sign up for a new account because the leg up health, you know, username is taken by me. Mm -hmm. So I can't like (laughs) fix it. And then I can't get anyone on Instagram to respond to me. I've resorted to like tweeting at Instagram. I've, I've, uh, you know, reached out to some people on LinkedIn who work at Instagram. I don't, I have no idea what to do. I've like, I've submitted forms. I'm in this like loop where I submit the form and then it tells me to submit the form again. And so it's like, I don't know what to do, but I feel like Instagram at this point is starting to like punish my business and like put me at an unfair competitive advantage. Um, and, uh, I don't know what to do about it. I feel pretty, uh, as a small business owner, I feel very much like abused right now. Um, so yeah, and I'm sure competi- this is happening to ten thousand other businesses. Like, it's not like you're a unique victim here. Yeah, and so it's like, I mean, my competitors are on Instagram advertising right now. I mean, you're saying I can't be? What? Why? If I were you, I would just pick a different name for your handle. Because I mean, Facebook company that owns Instagram is just this behemoth. They're never going to listen to you unless you have a friend that, that works there. I think that, that that's how customer support gets done with other tech companies is you, you live in San Francisco and you have a friend that works there. Like if it's Google or Facebook or a company like that, I, I don't think there's any way there's, there's just no recourse. You, you either start a major like hacker news style, every like outrage mob, and then someone fixes it or, you know, someone, those are the only two ways I've ever heard of this working. I, th- I, I'm going to, try to be nice for another another week or so but at some i think the outrage mob thing sounds really attractive to me because i want leg up health i don't want leg up health one two three i agree i just uh that's almost an interesting form of marketing creating an outrage mob like good luck Uh, i think one out of a hundred times the mob joins you but i think most of the time they don't and no one's going to care about me in this situation yeah i mean the reality is I, i i don't think they will yeah Instagram punishes Utah residents who buy their own health insurance by blocking leg up health. <laughs> I think that's going to be a tough sell. All right. <laughs> uh, I mean, go for it. If, uh, this stuff happens on Hacker News from time to time where someone posts like, here's my story of how incompetent Google, it's almost always Google because as bad as Facebook's customer services, Google's is like, you know, absolute worst. But and then it, you know, it gets a hundred comments of people just complaining because they had the same experience. And then some VP gets on there and is like, "Oh, I'm so sorry to hear about that. Like, uh, DM me and I'll fix it for you." I think that's all. That's the only option here. <laughs> yeah. So I've uh, the one guy. One guy I reached out to. I offered him two free Deer Valley ski passes if he fixed this for me. Which I mean, that's a that's a five hundred dollar value, just so everyone understands. And I found that out by looking at his Instagram account, and he had a Deer Valley hat on it. The reality is your advertisements will work just as well if it's get leg up health. Like I, I, this is super frustrating. I hate Facebook. I actually, my pushback for you is don't give Instagram any money because fuck that company. But <laughs> I, I do think like from a business, what's practical standpoint, just move on, pick a different username. It, it'll be fine. Nike doesn't have to do that. I know the world is unfair. Do, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> okay, but you're not going to win this one. I I could be wrong. It won't be worth your time to win it. I guess is my point. Yeah, I guess. What, what, I I'm not going to go on Instagram with a non leg up health branded handle that I already have. 
Like I'm not going to do that. So right. it's, it's the choice between using Instagram and not, and maybe I just don't use Instagram for now. Don't use Instagram. No. That's my vote. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry, sorry. I, I, I know how frustrating I'm, I'm dealing with my own. I tried to buy one of these th- smart thermostats from Echo B, Eco B, whatever you pronounce it. I'm trying to deal with their customer service because it got lost in the mail. And it's just like tech companies. Why can't you help your customers? It's not just tech companies, though. There are certain industries where customer service is almost, and it, it's so bad that it, it seems intentional. We just yeah. moved into this work lease community. We moved in the second floor windows. You cannot see through them because we're the first, you know, people to live here. So it's clearly construction related, like, smear on the outside windows it's on the second floor we can't reach them it's not like we can mm-hmm. just clean the outside so I, i'm emailing this person to get permission and it's like the 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 follow-up i had to do to get an answer of whether or not they'd clean them and then two whether we could clean them and then three whether they would reimburse us if we cleaned them was atrocious and then you i mean, i've had probably five different interactions with companies in different industries it's just so short-sighted it's like it seems like there's an opportunity and majority of industries to just go in and say, you know what, I'm just going to make a little bit less money mm-hmm. and I'm going, you know, short term. Um, and I'm going to invest in amazing customer service. And then over the long term, I'm going to beat everyone. That's not how shareholder capitalism works, Rick. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's, there's, it's true though. There's a real opportunity there. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It doesn't make it, you, the way capitalism is supposed to be about competition and it's supposed to, drive prices down and drive, you know, consumer value up. And I I just don't see that happening in so many industries. Like there's so much regulatory capture and like, you know, anti-competitive behavior going on that people are like forgot how to compete. I feel like. Oh, well. (laughs) I'm so I'm over it at this point, but I, I had some rough days this week where I was like, this is not right. Yeah. Um, all right. Can I uh, go into one of my my bigger topics? That'd be great. Okay, so this has been on my mind a little bit lately, and I'm not even sure what the question is exactly. So maybe part of what I would like help from you is like figuring out what what I even am asking. But here's the situation. So less annoying CRM is my business. It's actually technically less annoying software, but we only have one product, and it's less annoying CRM. So that's what we call ourselves. Um, we are reaching a point as a business where the CRM product is becoming pretty mature. There's still plenty of room to improve it, and we're going to continue working on it. But we finally have the resources to say, maybe it's time to start thinking about how, like what's, what's the next step as a business. What a lot of companies would do in our situation is move up market. They'd say, we're going to build more powerful features, sell to bigger companies, eventually become an enterprise CRM. That's not appealing to me in the slightest. I just don't want to sell to enterprises. So what we're thinking is, how do we offer more value, solve more problems for the same customers that we already have? Um, in the past, we've dabbled with like starting a totally new brand. You know, Sparse is the one that I tried where new brand, build a new product, sell it. There are a million reasons I don't like that approach and we abandon it. And the big one is like, we want to build off our current customer base. We're not trying to start a separate product. We're trying to expand the footprint of our current product to solve more problems. With me so far? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so the and next we, thing, and we've, we've yeah. talked a lot about this. I mean, this is a, I mean, this has been a evolution of uh, the, that anyone who's you know tuned in for the podcast should should not be surprised by this. Right, right, yeah. absolutely. This is not new news, but 
I'm getting to a specific problem that I don't think it's going to come up for a while, but I'm starting to think about it, which is how do we, how, what do we call ourselves? How do we brand this whole thing in a world where, so in the short term, what's going to happen is we're less annoying CRM. And I think calendar is what we're going to go into next, specifically appointment scheduling, but other calendar stuff too. I think the calendar space is just waiting to be disrupted. At first, we're going to be like, you know, 98% CRM with this little 2% calendar thing on the side. But gradually, it's going to grow to the point where at $15 a month, someone might use us just for the really good calendar tools. At that point, it's pretty ridiculous for us to call ourselves less annoying CRM to those customers. If they're like, I don't want a CRM, I use Salesforce, I want your appointment scheduler. And then, you know, another five, 10 years from now, probably we add another thing. Like, let's say it's a help desk. And then we're still calling ourselves less annoying CRM. Like at some point, this this naming scheme is going to have to change. But I'm just trying to think through what's the right approach, given that I want it all to be one product. I don't want to sell less annoying calendar separate from less annoying CRM, separate from less annoying help desk. Why, why are you... Um, I understand that you don't want to do that right now. Mm-hmm. You don't want to sell them separately right now. But why are you saying that you don't ever want to... It sounds like you're saying, I never... Yeah, I, I, you're right. I, I don't know that I never do, but l- let me say what like kind of my dream scenario is, is that it's kind of a, a package deal. I, I basically want to be Outlook. Um, you don't buy Microsoft email separate from Microsoft Calendar. You say, this is kind of my productivity suite that can do the, the basic fundamental actions. And a lot of people don't use Outlook Calendar, but they do use email. You know, I want to price it low enough that you don't have to use every single one of our products. You just get the bundle use what you want. If you maybe use Salesforce, but you use our help desk, that's still fine. That's, that's kind of what I hope for. I'm not like set so, on that necessarily. So you're, you don't see a, a world where you would have uh, starting at $15 a month CRM only, add email on this for another $10 a month? I think it's possible. Um, I, I want to keep the price low, but it, something like that's possible, but that's still a branding challenge of like, what is that thing called? You know? Um, and what's going to happen is we're going to, it's going to, like, the frog is going to boil. There's not going to be, like, a specific moment where it's like, this is the time where everything changes. It's going to be a gradual evolution away from CRM being our only product. So, like, we have kind of a, a dabbling of different things. Do you think that, uh, so a couple of questions that, I, that come to mind is, I, well, I have a lot of questions about this. Yeah. Um, I guess what would be helpful to me is, what what do you want help with right now? There's sort of couple of conversations we could have. One is how do you do this out of the gate? Um, mm-hmm. you know, and then how do you do this over the, like how much, how do you do it over the long term? It sounds like, I, I, I guess like what, what question do you want to focus on today? Yeah. Uh, good point. I'm intentionally bringing this up way before it matters with the intention being, uh, I'm not looking for a specific answer and I'm probably not going to implement whatever we come up with immediately. And the idea is I just kind of want to maybe come up with more like a long-term vision of how it could work. And I just want to sit on it for a while. And as we're working through, kind of think, well, oh, like when I'm running into other situations, I want to compare it against maybe what we talk about here and say, would that actually work? Would this be flexible? Would it make life harder? So I think what I want is let's daydream five years in the future and say we've got a pretty good calendar product, our current CRM product. What should things look like then? Yeah. So I guess um, I can approach this in two different ways. I can just tell you what I think should happen based on what yeah. I know. Or, or I could ask you questions and pull it out of you. 
I'm interested in both, but I think I'd prefer for you. I've thought about this enough that you're not going to bias me, whereas maybe you haven't. So I'd love to hear what you think first before I say any more. Cool. So, um, I mean, I've, I've recently gone through this with Leg Up Benefits um, and Leg mm-hmm. Up Health. Um, I've also watched Sable, my wife, go through this with Lucid uh, Software, which is you know, multiple products, Lucid Press, Lucid Spark, and now, and Lucid Chart, which was the first product. Um, first, I want to agree that, I just want to say that this does not matter at all right now, but what, you know, I think you, you got to think about these things because it does affect your ability to change things later on because you you could make this, you know, d- limiting decisions in the short term. So I think it's good to talk about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the way, so I can tell you what I would do if I were you and why I would do it. And then maybe you just say, but, but, but blah, blah, blah. And we can kind of go there. So, I mean, I imagine a less annoying.com being your wildcat.com, your wild bit.com, mm-hmm. um, that talks about your culture, uh, the company that you're building and then gets into the products that you offer. Um, and you know, I, I, I believe that you know, if you buy one product, you'll have access to the other products in some fashion. There's, you know, maybe, maybe the app is hosted at lessannoyingsoftware.com um, or even at lessannoying.com. Yeah. App.lessannoying.com. Yeah. But I, I do think that these are distinct enough products where uh, potentially you, you know, whether it's as a spe- specific as less annoying calendar um, or, you know, less annoying email and calendar. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know where the bundles are, but I, I don't imagine. I think a CRM is distinctly different from an email mm-hmm. tool or a calendar to, uh, from Outlook. Um, so so let, let me talk talk to that for a second. Yeah. I think you're 100 percent right, but keep in mind what we offer our customers think of as a CRM, but you probably don't. What we offer is like good contact management. And what I want to offer on the calendar is just a level above what Outlook offers. That's what our CRM is on the contact side. So I want to offer a level above their email, a level above their calendar, and a level above their contacts. And for many people, they wouldn't think of it as a CRM. They'd think of it as just, this is, you know, when I'm sending an email to someone, I need their contact info. I do think that the value goes away if they're not bundled. So I I do think it's different from leg up benefits and, and leg up health. The people logging in, it's two different people doing different things. I don't think the email product works very well if it's not the same app as the calendar product. Yeah, so I guess um, bundling them, I guess, I think you should absolutely consider pricing. I would say bundled pricing is different than positioning in this case. So Mm -hmm. I I guess just the way we are talking about this and the way that we're talking, the way I feel it in my head is that you're going to have a a broader company at the top that's less annoying in general. Um, maybe it's lessannoyingsoftware.com instead of lessannoying.com, but it you know it's it's it stands for something. It's got cultural values. The people all work there. Um, payroll is paid at that that level. Um, you know the, the brand, the primary brand is less annoying software. Uh, less annoying software. This is ten years from now, mm-hmm. um, and you know, you've got this less annoying CRM thing, which is positioned to convert people looking, you know, for a CRM product. And then you've got this other thing that's positioned for solving a different problem. 
ultimately everyone, whether you buy a less annoying CRM, the product, or you buy the less annoying calendar product, you know, first, and you're getting access to the platform. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, ultimately you're going to maybe pay either a standalone fee, uh, for just that piece or a bundled fee of some kind to get everything. Um, and that's how it will probably work. It's sort of like Google drive is how I would think about it. Um, then, and, and so there's a, you know, you, there's a, an experience, um, that's shared across all the products and you can access them from the same login, that kind of thing. Um, but, but maybe it's, you know, for purposes of positioning they're they're in explaining what problems you're solving, you're going to have different, um, product brands and messaging and webs websites to, to do that. So I agree that they can all be positioned differently. Um, and I mean, we're, we're actually going to run into this sooner rather than later. I know we're talking long-term here, but like the most immediate thing we're going to have is we're going to build some kind of appointment scheduling or, or even before that, just we have a calendar, but when you make an event, we don't send invites to anyone. We're just going to add kind of an RSVP system. Probably they click a link to view the event. Does that go to lessannoyingcrm.com or does it go to lessannoyingcalendar.com or something like that? Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I guess, um, I, I, so from a website standpoint, I, I'm not so concerned about having multiple website domains. Like ultimately less annoying CRM doesn't work for an, if you want to sell an appointment scheduler or right. get into an email thing. So like copper CRM has an appointment scheduler. They have a copper CRM brand. They just recently rebrand to copper CRM from prospect. Uh, Prosper Works, which was not CRM specific in their name, so th- there's an argument. I think that expectations ten years from now will be that a CRM, a good CRM, comes with appointment scheduling. Um, so I guess appointment scheduling isn't a great example uh, for it. I think it's different. It could well, you could well, you could you could market that as a feature. You um, could, but the point is, someone like how does how does the virality of this work? Like. Someone clicks, they book a, th- a time with one of our customers. They're thinking, well, maybe they don't think, maybe they just leave and that's the end of it. But what we want is for them to think that was really cool. How do I get this? Well, there's two they're ways. Not, they're not thinking, I want a CRM. They're thinking, I want the calendar, right? Or the scheduling. Yeah. And so I guess um, I, you're going to want to pa- package the point. I'm saying position, but it's, it's really the four piece of marketing, right? position, package, pricing, and promotion. Um, and what you're really like, how that's what we're talking about here. And I mm-hmm. think at the highest level, you're going to need to call these things. You're ne- going to need to package these things as something separate from the CRM and, and, it, and of its own accord that integrates and works with the CRM for purposes of those three, four categories. So, uh, you know, and so when you start packaging it differently, then it's the question of do you price them differently? You know, do you, how do you position them? Um, how do you, uh, how do you promote them? And I, I guess ultimately how you do those things, once you make the decision to package it differently, um, how do you do that? Well, it could all be at less annoying CRM and, you know, you could have less annoying, you could just call it, you know, the, the, the something add on, right? Like the, the appointment scheduling add on. Let's assume for now it's one price for everything. And that's the only price you can pay. Cause I, 
that might not be the case, but I think that's most likely, and that'll simplify the discussion. But yeah, at, so, at some point, likely you'll probably rebrand to something that doesn't include CRM in it. Um, if you want the appointment scheduler to be uh, less confusing, but you may never, you may never have to do that. Yeah, I I, I like the I, I didn't know the the four P's of marketing or whatever. That's new for me. Um, I think what I want. That, that makes it obvious to me what I want. And maybe this is impossible and maybe that's what we're getting to. But I want is one package, multiple positions, right? I want to say we only have one product that we sell. There's one product. But if you're coming in because you're interested in appointment scheduling, we will position it for appointment scheduling. But once you get in it, it's like you're just using Outlook, you know? Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, the, the comparables for this would be... Um, Gosh, they're not good. They're not great ones because most people offer add-on pricing. But you basically want HubSpot's pricing and system, uh, Intercom's pricing and system. But instead of offering all these different pricing pieces, you're basically mm-hmm. saying, you know, the, you get all these things for one monthly fee. Yeah, you're kind of like Directv. <laughs> yeah, I mean, bundles are huge right now. I, I think that. Um... There's definitely like a trend, and I think it's on the early stages of the trend of it's it's not a la carte pricing. It's you pay like basically what Adobe Creative Cloud is or G Suite or something like that, right? But they even still G have Su- separate but even products, G Suite though. has yeah, I mean they have different products and they say, Hey, you get access to these, and then oh, if you want Google Voice, you gotta pay extra. But one of the things I don't like about Google, well, they do, they, they have very few upsells though. Like I I'm a G Suite or what's it called now? Uh, Google Work space workplace google workspace Apps. they they renamed it to google oh, workplace okay. i think um recently anyway i've never paid an upsell like uh, they have them but it's not like a core part of what they're offering but the thing i like outlook i i don't use outlook but i like outlook in some ways better than google because they acknowledge these things are one experience calendar and email are not separate things you know and that's that's what's so hard about it is like Yes, G Suite's a bundle with separate products. What I want is Outlook, one product. It's not even a bundle exactly. But it, yeah, it can't be called less annoying CRM. It'd be easy enough if we just said, oh, we're renaming it to, I'll just use Sparse because that's a, a name I've used in the past. But I, I also don't want to abandon our less annoying branding. I like that a lot. That's why I think, and then you also... Less annoying CRM is great. Like it's a great yeah, brand. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Don't abandon that. So that's what that's where you go. Like okay, well, we probably need to start investing in a in a company domain, which is the equivalent would be Lucid.co. Um, on the Lucid side, they have a corporate branded site, um, and then they link to all their products from there. Um, and then you're going to have a separate website for how you, however you choose to position the Outlook competitor. And then maybe another website for the appointment thing. Although the appointment things, I think a little differently different. I think that could be, I, I think appointment scheduling. I know I'd, I'd, I'd want appointment scheduling with my email and calendar. I wouldn't want it with my CRM necessarily. Yeah. I, I mean, long-term the dream is no one thinks of it as a CRM. Yeah. Like it, 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 I think of it the way, the way we, I don't know. Do you use Trello for other use cases beyond just our uh, podcast notes? All kinds. All kinds of stuff. Trello is not really a project management. Like, it's not Asana or something like that. Um, but it's simple. It's just this simple Kanban note board that you and I can use for project management because our needs are so simple. That's what I want the future of the CRM to be, is if you're a really small business and you have really simple needs, 
you can use this as a CRM, but many of our customers do not think of it as a CRM. They just think of it as their contact list that's just attached to their email and their calendar. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's. I, I hear the Lucid comparison, but it's still different because those are all separate products. Like if I'm using Lucid Press, that's different from if I'm using Lucid Chart. So I th- I think I I like what you're saying, but I think like if it's lessannoying.com, that's not the company. That's not wildbit.com. I think that's the product landing page. I think it's lessannoying.com slash CRM if you want to learn about the CRM. And it's lessannoying.com slash calendar and so on. So yeah, in that case, it's one platform called Less Annoying. And then it's got a bunch of features, um, big old features, one of which is a CRM that has yeah. its own, own set of things. Does the Less Annoying branding lose all its teeth if it's by itself, like without that third word? Yeah, I think it does. Um, yeah, me so too. <laughs> I don't, and I don't think you're going to find a better word than CRM. So I, I kind of come full circle and say, don't even worry about this right now. Just build less annoying CRM and redefine what a CRM is uh, while still calling it less annoying a less annoying CRM. Um, and uh, you know, kind of just treat this as slash CRM slash appointment scheduling slash uh, slash uh, I don't know what you want to call the bundled email and calendar slash email slash calendar. Yeah. That's how I would start hmm. this no matter what anyway. I'm going to uh, do that for, we are not leaving the less knowing CRM branding. What I am, like a, a callback to what I said earlier, I do need to figure out when someone clicks a link and goes to schedule an appointment. It could be lessknowingcrm.com slash schedule appointment or whatever, or it could be lessknowingcalendar or lessannoying.com slash, you know, that's the the most immediate decision where, obviously we can change it later, but like I kind of do think having a mini brand about calendar what I'm dabbling with is having like lessannoyingcalendar.com. And when you go there, be like, lessannoying calendar is one of the many features with lessannoying CRM, and it's just $15 a month. Go go there. There's no reason to do that. You don't think so? Mm-mm. Why? I mean, what, why, why do you need to, why, why is that any better than just having cal- calendar.lessannoyingcrm like, or lessannoyingcrm.com slash calendar? <laughs> You're just going to be think, competing with your own with with less annoying CRM's website. Yeah, I'll admit I don't like any of these options, so I'm not like in love with what I'm proposing here. But my thought is, right now with CRM, someone coming to lessannoyingcrm.com wants a CRM. They know what a CRM is. They need a CRM. The positioning is great. The positioning is not great for some random person that wants appointment scheduling and doesn't know what a CRM is. This is the okay. Yeah. So, um. For now, it doesn't matter. Let's just start there. But at some yeah. point, like when you have people who are looking, f- at some point, as you decide whether you want to promote the appointment scheduling in some way, you're going to mm-hmm. work it into your existing flow and you're going to iterate yourself there. If at any point it becomes better to separate out as a website, you'll do it. But my guess is that's a long ways away. Yeah, you may be right. Uh- Another side of this I'm thinking about, there, there's a technical side, www.lessknowingcrm.com uh, will be on Webflow, so we can't use that. I don't love using a subdomain for this. Um, so I was thinking about just having a separate website. It, you know, it could be schedulyouraappointment.com or whatever, uh, just so the URL is cleaner. Also, I don't know if our customers want their customers to see CRM in, in the brand as heavily. That's another thing I've been considering. Yeah, I, I'm coming to the conclusion that um, don't do anything more than what you have to to offer the product right now, which is basically eliminates all the suggestions I gave and even 
opening up any other websites, get the product working, get people to use it and then see yeah. what happens and make decisions based on that. But yeah, at the end of the day, like it'd be really nice if you didn't have to create any other websites because you've got a lot of SEO um, and domain authority on less annoying CRM. It's risky to add, add other sites um, and uh, it's harder to maintain. So potentially like this, this is all, it's all works out at lessannoyingcrm.com for the next 10 years. And well, I can't uh, go there because that's Webflow. We can't host these I mean, links app, at I mean, www. App dot, I mean, app dot Oh, yeah. The, the, there's no SEO on that, but yeah. 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 Well, the cool, but I guess what I mean is there's, there's less annoying CRM.com and there's the marketing messaging that will be like, you know, slash, you know, appointment scheduling, which is basically you're treating as a new feature of the CRM to start. Mm -hmm. And then, mm -hmm. you know, when you're actually, someone's actually using the product and sharing it, it'll be wherever you put the, the CRM application, it'll be app dot less annoying CRM or some you other. can't go there either because that's a React build. That, now we're getting into technical stuff. It has to go in its own subdomain at the very least. I think Ooh. I'm almost certain. What, what is what is it? Uh, the the page someone uses to actually schedule an appointment, like the thing oh. the end end user sees, can't go on dub 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 because Webflow we can't write code on their server. It can't go on app.lessonwingserum.com because that's a static build of a React app. I, I shouldn't say it can't, but it would be very technically more difficult than it's worth. Where's the app currently hosted? Uh, prior to the Webflow switch, it, it's in www.lessonwing, but it will move to app.lessonwingserum.com. Cool. So, all right. Yeah, anyway, I, guess. I, I think I got what I needed. I, I think probably the, the website we use to send someone to actually book the appointment can be whatever. It's not a marketing page. It's not the app that our customers are experiencing. It could be, you know, abc.com. Who cares? Um, but just punt on all of this. I'm still going to keep, I hear what you're saying. I'm still going to keep thinking about it though. Cause like you don't want to get to the point where you need an answer and then start thinking about it in my opinion. Well, listen, you want to answer, you want to do these things in a way that doesn't box you in. So if you do, mm -hmm. if you just do your slash appointment scheduling, uh, you're putting everything appointment scheduling in a place that's its own place. If you do scheduling, you know, dot less annoying CRM.com, uh, you're putting it all in the same place. And you're not creating anything new in terms of like domain, a, a, a web master domain. And then those things are sort of in their own place that you could break off into, you know, its own website at some point if you wanted to. Yeah. It's different. It was different for leg up health and leg up benefits because um, they're totally different customers. Like, right. like the person buying leg up benefits is an employee at a company or an owner of a company. The person buying health insurance is a representative of their, of their household and their family. It's a consumer. So um, yeah. I kind of envy your ability to, to iterate with just like adding on to the existing stuff you have and then separate this out if you need to. For now, I hear you. Like, it's nice that we don't have to do anything now, but th this decision will hit us at some point. And uh, there are no good options here, I don't think, unfortunately. But we'll deal with that what later. Do you I guess the better question here would be, what are you worried about happening down the road? That I'm worried that I think we have to change. We, we have to make our main brand not less annoying CRM at some point. And... You know, the options are split into different products. So less annoying CRM, less annoying calendar, but then we don't have one unified app, which I don't like. Or make it lessannoying.com is the app and it has CRM in it. But I think that takes a lot of the the effect of the name away or switch to a totally different brand like Sparse, in which case we're just throwing away. I, I, they're like, I don't see any way we do that. 
So we either have a bad brand for all our new products, or we take away what's so great about our brand and water it down to be lessannoying.com. I, I just don't like any of them, really. Yeah, I think for now, you know, it's less annoying CRM with these 100%. products. But if one of these products becomes a killer for you, you're going to want to, you're going to be incentivized to separate it and excited about it. I get the only risk here is the SEO. Yeah. And, and honestly, that's not even what I'm worried about. Like our, our SEO is not all that. Uh, it's, it's not something I'm precious about. Like hopefully one day it will be, but we don't have much to protect there right now. That's good. But okay. Um, thanks for talking through this with me. I was that helpful at all. It was in the sense I feel like hard decisions that are big and like far out, you just have to have a conversation like this a hundred times with a hundred different people and eventually clarity. I don't feel like I have clarity yet, but I do feel like I'm, I only have 99 conversations left instead of a hundred (laughs) now. Cool. I don't know. What do do you think? Was this like, did we make progress here in your mind? (laughs) My, I guess my big realization is that it's too early to really make a decision on this. Yeah, I'm not trying to so, make a decision. Yeah, I'm trying get, to have like a faint vision, basically. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so it's it's like, if it's helpful to you, let's talk about it. Otherwise, it's like, shut up and get to work. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's, it's helpful. It's helpful. Yeah. It's helpful to me. If if that's if that's why you're asking, yeah. yes, the, yeah. I'm going to keep thinking about this, and I may keep bringing it up because. I, I have to decide something still. So anyway, well, this I is, appreciate I mean, it. This is what you get paid. You know, this is your job, right? Just think about things that that aren't the now, but the future. And while everyone else works on the on the now, yeah, which is a bit new. Like when you're two people, three people at the company, you're still really. I mean, yeah, you kind of think about the future, but you're doing both, and it's mostly about the now. So I'm I'm trying to lean into this a little bit and give myself space to strategize a little more. I think that's great. Yeah, it was, uh, it's fun to fantasize about what you'll look like in 10 years. Mm -hmm. It's almost always wrong. Oh, for sure. Uh, the, yeah. What is it that plans are worthless, but planning is, uh, essential or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, That's a great quote. (laughs) Cool. All right. I'm good. Thank you for uh, talking through that. Anything else you want to cover today? No, I don't think so. All right. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, I have two favors to ask. First, please write a review on the podcast app of your choice because reviews play a huge role in helping other people discover useful podcasts. Second, if you know any founders or aspiring founders of independent startups, please tell them about Startup to Last. And if you'd like to review past topics and show notes, visit startuptolast.com. See you next week. See ya.